0: The views and opinions expressed on the Untold History Revealed podcast are solely those of the individual stating them and are not necessarily those of the Untold History Revealed owners.
1: Now sit back and grab a cup of coffee or tea as we discuss some moments in history that may have been untold or forgotten.
0: Another episode of Untold History Revealed starts now.
1: Well, hi, everybody. Uh, This is Sean Donnelly, uh, your host of Untold History Revealed.
0: And I'm Marianne Donnelly. I am your co-host.
1: Tonight we're going to be talking about something that is kind of interesting. Have you ever heard of the Japanese fire balloons?
0: A little bit. How
1: about another term for them is uh, fugo?
0: I have heard of Fugo.
1: You've heard of Fugo? I have heard of them. Um, a lot of people haven't heard of these, and there's a reason why. We'll get to that here in a little bit. Okay. But, um, basically, this is uh, it was a pretty uh, interesting attack on the United States during World War II. That, like I said, a lot of people didn't hear about it, but some of these things are starting to surface, and uh, we'll get to talking about that here in a little bit as well. Um. So, uh, just to kind of introduce who we are a little bit uh, Marianne and I are the owners of Dark Shadow Ghost Tours and Panic D um, and we do a lot of research and things like that for um, uh, another radio show that we're on uh, Beyond the Edge Radio with the Haunted Spotlight and for our social media, for our other websites but a lot of times, um, some of the things that we reveal and uncover uh, might not lend itself to be paranormal so we just kind of keep those little things to the side and we decided to create this podcast just to bring out some history that maybe people haven't heard about and uh, just to kind of have a little hobby on the side like we need more things to do
0: yeah we sure do (laughs) um
1: so this is episode number four actually
0: number four
1: Yeah, we're on number four. We've been doing this for four weeks now. Okay. Starting to get some followers. Um, Starting to build up our fan base a little bit. You can find us on untoldhistoryrevealed.blogspot.com. We're also on Facebook and Twitter and Google Plus and Tumblr. And... We're on Podbean, that's where we're broadcasting this out of, and a couple other services. We're also on iTunes now. Check that Ooh. out. Ooh, yeah. So, anyways, back to the topic for tonight. You've heard of, uh, you know, you know about the attack on Pearl Harbor, right?
0: Uh, yes, absolutely. I, I don't think there's actually too many people yeah. who haven't yeah. heard about that one. Yeah. If they are, then they're either really young or they have been sitting Locked themselves in logged in a cave for quite <laughs> some time. Yeah.
1: And you know what happened after the attack of Pearl Harbor? What, what the you know, United States, do you want to talk about that We've, a little bit? We
0: fought back a little bit. You know, We uh, went ahead and prepped and prepared try to do a strike back on them that might be just as damaging to them as theirs was on us. And uh, I believe that's where the Doolittle raids came in.
1: Yes, that was in 1942.
0: 1942 It was the
1: doolittle raids. and then from there it kind of the bombings on Japan escalated. Um, the United States was bombing Japan like mad and it was wiping out cities left and right. And uh, the Japanese government basically said, "Hey, we need to retaliate here and we need to attack United States on their soil
0: Again.
1: problem was is they didn't have the resources. They didn't have the the means to create a uh, military device, so to speak, that would be strong enough to come across the Pacific Ocean and do its job. So they got all their scientists together, and they came up with these uh, balloons
2: that yes. were um,
1: pretty uh, pretty interesting engineering marvels, actually. This is before circuit boards and things like that, but these balloons that they put together were designed and calculated to actually go from Japan across the Pacific Ocean using the jet stream and come into the continental United States Amazing. and drop their payload.
0: Amazing. <laughs>
1: They actually launched nine thousand of these things that's a lot. yes,
0: how many of them made it over?
1: Well, they can account for three hundred of them right now, but didn't you you have an article over there that they just found some
0: a yeah, couple of years ago uh, about a, a year about a year ago or so they found one of them and uh, they found it in uh, British Columbia. Uh, It was some uh, forest individuals, people who were working in the forestry industry and so forth. Um, The foresters found it. It was half buried, uh, but it was still pretty well intact. And so they were able to find out a lot more about them through that. Um, So in eastern British Columbia is where that was actually found.
1: Yeah, a lot of the general public doesn't know about these things because the U.S. government put a hush on the media. To actually They would never about it.
0: they would never do that. They did. Wow. They did. I'm gonna
1: talk about that here in a <laughs> Yeah, bit, but these but
0: things were pretty large though. <coughs> Huge. About thirty three feet in diameter? That's pretty pretty yes. big. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say we would have seen them coming. So it's interesting that, you know, so few were actually identified.
1: Yeah, well, if you're out there hiking and I'm going to describe him here on our podcast, but if, you know, stay away from them if you find one of them, because they could still be armed uh, to go off. But, alright. So, uh, let me give you a little bit of background. Like I said, they brought all their uh, scientists together and um, calculated that these balloons would need 35 sandbags to make it across the Pacific Ocean. And there was a Actually, a Japanese scientist, and I don't have his name. And if I did, I couldn't pronounce it, anyways. But um, <laughs> he's the one that actually discovered the jet stream, okay, and how the jet stream would work. Well, <clears throat> the way the b- the balloons were engineered was they had a flap at the bottom of it. They uh, would you say they were thirty feet? Thirty three feet wide. Thirty three feet diameter. Line. Okay, um, and they were filled with uh, hydrogen gas. Okay, So when they launch them, they would go up to 30,000 feet. And if they would go above that, they had a barometer switch on them that would open a flap on the bottom and release some of that gas so that they would come down to 27,000 feet. When it hit 27,000 feet, there was another barometer switch that would drop an airbag, the ballast. It would make the balloon go back up to 30,000 feet. So they calculated it would take 35 of those airbags to reach across the Pacific Ocean to hit the United States. That's some, that's some really high-end math right there, isn't it?
0: Yes, and everybody's always <coughs> saying it you know, in school all the time, because I obviously we've mentioned before I'm a school teacher, when are we ever going to need to know any of this? Yeah, when are we well, you ever, you never never gonna know. going to
1: need to know math?
0: You never know when you're going to use these different things, but there's always something somewhere along the line. Will there, will there be countless things that you don't necessarily use in your lifetime? Yeah, absolutely. However, um, for those one or two individuals who need this little fragment, and then there's this one or two over here who need this fragment, you know, and so everybody is taking away something from what they're learning and then what they're using it for, lots of different things. This one maybe not for good, maybe for evil, but uh, still very, very interesting how much they put into that.
1: Well, there's more. You oh, ready? do tell. Okay. Um, I, I'm just amazed by the engineering behind it. They knew that these, these balloons would travel 100 miles an hour in the jet stream. It would take four days to get from Japan to the United States. Okay? hmm Now, of course, that's based on the wind and currents of wind and stuff like that. They've reported that these, the 300 of them that they know of out of the 9,000, okay, they're reported... From Alaska all the way down to Mexico, that they fit the west coast of North America, as far east as Michigan. Hmm. That's
0: a pretty wide range.
1: Well, and and there's a map that we had. I think I put it on in in pictures, and it might be on our our blog. Um, If not, I'll get it up on there. That shows where they found these balloons. Now, here's what was on them. Okay, so after it dropped the last sandbag, they determined, okay, it should be over the United States. Mm -hmm. The next four devices that dropped were incendiary devices, which were used to cause forest fires, which did work. Okay, it started some fires. And then the last one was a 33-pound anti-personnel bomb.
0: Well, that sounds uh, very destructive. Yes.
1: So those incendiary devices and that bomb is what, you know, people are saying now, if you come across these things, stay away from them mm-hmm. because they could still be armed. I mean, they armed them as soon as they took off. Right.
0: They were armed. Right. Kind of reminds me of, of like, the Civil War and when we had all the artillery that didn't quite go off. hmm and then, you know, everybody kept on going over trying to get them because the government was actually paying, paying them for for, yeah. for the return of them uh, and <coughs> going and just picking these things up and, and getting very injured or, or dead, um, dying from it. Um, you want to make sure you kind of keep that same idea in your head for these if you're out there and you
2: right.
0: find one.
1: Um So here, here's how this played out. They started launching these things in December of 1944. Now, after the third one kind of hit the United States, uh, you know, the government got involved, and they got one of the sandbags and sent the sand to Butte, Montana, to have it analyzed. Okay, they had the sand analyzed and determined it came from a beach in Japan. So they knew that it was Japan that was launching gotcha. these balloons. Okay. That
0: is very exciting to me.
1: Yeah. Now, Frenzation. originally they thought that they were launching them from submarines. Okay. Okay. Because how could they come across all the way from the right. Pacific Ocean, you know, so on and so forth? But then later they determined, you know, because they were patrolling the, you know, the Pacific along there, and long air, and they like, hey, there's no submarines. Where are these balloons are still coming in, you know? Right. They determined they were launching them from the mainland japan
0: were there any reports of like uh that you found were there any reports of like uh aircraft fine you know reporting them
1: well actually once they figured out what was going on um the military took a unit i actually have it written down and it was a unit that was basically declared inactive okay um, and they they reactivated it was the 550 555 airborne unit Um, they had them retrained and reactive and they became um, smoke troopers where they would jump in and work on the forest fires that these things were causing then they also had uh, units that were um, stateside but uh, military planes that their assignment was to patrol and look for the balloons and shoot them down Okay. You know, um, so this went on from December of 44 to April of 45.
0: A little bit of time.
1: The reason why they did it at that time frame is because the jet stream was in place during the winter months. Nice. You know, so they stopped after April of 45.
0: And they never picked back up again or they have got found out? No,
1: because because they had no idea whether it was working or not since the government put the hush on...
0: So they thought it wasn't working at all.
1: They had no clue of knowing because there was so nobody they reporting about the might have thought it balloons. was a failure and they didn't now, know it anymore? local police departments and things like that, they knew about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, And and if there was reports, hey, we found this thing to the police department, they knew what it was and how to deal with it. But general public... Uh, newspaper media, that kind of stuff. This was all a hush hush, you know. And of course, at that time there was a lot of UFO sightings.
0: Mm. Basically,
1: this is what it was. It was these this a balloon attack that was taking place.
0: The <clears throat> UFOs are no longer UFO.
1: Well, I don't wouldn't say that. Not all. Not all. I mean, during this time, they they were all staggered. Mm-hmm. These are UFOs. They were on. on Identified well, at the time, but objects. later they became they became,
0: they they became right. identified. They were no <coughs> but longer I UFOs. If
1: this is where the government says, "Oh yeah, that was just a weather balloon,"
0: ah, yeah, because that's a lot of the time when there are UFO sightings, they just say that they are weather mm-hmm. balloons. They continue to say that to this day, actually. So, okay,
1: yeah, interesting. Okay, so uh, I told you about Butte, Montana.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. Now here's another thing too that was kind of interesting. When I first read this, I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's horrible. But then I I heard some more and watched a couple more videos about this. But all right, so Japan was real low on resources. That includes men to fight in the army and um, you know planes. Ships, all all kinds of stuff. I I could
0: believe that. I mean, they had how many of those kamikazes too? Well, they were getting
1: pummeled by the United States after Pearl Harbor. You know.
0: Yeah, but a lot of them were. were Yeah, Uh, but a lot of them were kamikaze pilots too. So they took themselves out. So who
1: made the balloons? Schoolchildren sewed the balloons, and and specifically, it was girls from eighty different schools who volunteered to make the balloons. I didn't read about the volunteering or hear about the volunteering till later on. I thought that okay, they just made children do this, but <clears throat> the balloons were made of like a rubber rice paper type substance to make them real light. Okay? And these girls would sew them on a sewing machine and they work in factories making these balloons. But I found that to be yeah, quite interesting they volunteered to do it and they they thought that this was a great service to their country and so mm-hmm. on and so forth and all that stuff so um so I told you there was 36 sandbags um let's see what else I have here uh So, yeah, a lot of these balloons actually started fires. The incendiary devices actually worked. And, you know, even though it was winter, <clears throat> I could see it still being a little bit dry if there wasn't uh, snow or anything in the mountains. But um, <clears throat> that's where they had this uh, 555th Airborne, which was an um, African-American some For some reason, and I didn't take the research further to find out why they were inactive, but they retrained them and had them go in, you know, like the smoke jumpers do. They jump in and put out the fires and stuff. Um, now, the reason, the purpose behind this was that Japan thought that Pearl Harbor was such a success for them since they caught us by surprise and created um, panic and chaos. So they thought by secretly launching these balloons over a period of time...
0: They'd do the same thing?
1: They would do the same with the American public, which would make the U.S. military slow down. You know, would affect the U.S. military. But... I don't think they realize the actual disconnect of military and actual citizens. And you go off to the military and it's like, okay, every once in a while you talk to home, especially if you're in active duty. You know, you're right back Yeah, it's a little so, bit
0: easier today with technology. But back then, back then, yeah, it was much more difficult for communications. I mean, you'd have to wait for that letter. you would be a couple weeks sometimes.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I'm still... Uh, the engineering behind this, the way it, that it worked, um, those switches, the switches, the barometric switches, when it would, you know, the balloon would drop down to 27,000 feet, it would set off a charge to drop a sandbag. Um, one of the videos that I was, no, well, maybe it was something I was reading, they said they had to time it so that immediately it didn't arm the next sandbag. You know, it had to wait a while to arm the next sandbag so that the balloon went back up. Um, so they used a fuse, and timed the fuse based on the barometric pressure on how fast that would burn and all that other stuff to arm the next one. And it was was all ran by a battery that kept track. Of, and this is 1945, 44, 45. It's just. Amazing,
0: it um, it never ceases to amaze me all the things that we did with such little technology back.
1: This is pre circuit boards,
0: right? I mean, you know, now
1: they could come up with there are like so a many computer things, though.
0: yeah. But there are so many things that we <coughs> literally used our brains, we figured it all out. Now, we, to me, as a population, we are using our brains less as a whole. And we're, we're relying, relying on that on technology, technology yeah. rather than to think these things through. I can't imagine my thinking this stuff through or my students thinking any of this th- through to to design this stuff. Yet there are still people who are doing it. I'm not saying that we don't at all. Uh, but there's so many people who are not using their, their brains and things like that the way we did before. I mean, just this is just amazing that we came up with this stuff way before the technologies that we have today
1: just the mathematical calculations alone would be it gives me a headache thinking about it
2: mm-hmm.
1: the math involved behind this um and and then to the set it and how how does somebody come in and figure out okay we're going to need uh 35 sandbags that's how many is going to be and they're calculating okay it's going to go up to thirty thousand feet back down to 27,000. It's going to do that this many times, 35 times before it hits. And that's just not the coast before it hits
0: continental you know, Right, and United you have States. to count cal- you have to put into those calculations, <clears throat> okay, now the wind mass speed. has changed and the wind speeds and the yeah, temperature changes. Yeah. A lot of lot of thinking went into it. Is.
1: Wonder what they calculated it on? Like chalkboards or slate or paper or Wow.
0: That was a lot of calculation, though. It's
1: crazy. Um, so, if you've heard about these things before, or if you're actually from the Pacific Nor- Northwest and heard about them, uh, drop us a line. You can actually go to our uh, blog page and you can send us an email through there or through social media, or whatever. Uh, leave us a comment and uh, tell us a little bit what you've heard about them, if you if you have heard about them, um, and then we'll, we're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about a couple of these where they've landed, and it caused some. Well, one is could have been potentially catastrophic, and another one um, there were some casualties. Okay. So we're going to take a quick little break, and we will be back here in a little
0: bit.
2: Close your doors and turn off all the lights As twice a month BTE Radio brings you a new episode of the Haunted Spotlight Sean and Marianne Donnelly of Dark Shadow Ghost Tours Dig deep into the archives of the Panic D database And take you inside a different location with each new episode Learn the rich history and hear the paranormal claims Of some of the most infamous and unsuspecting locations from around the country Ever wonder what roams the property or lurks behind those closed doors? Curious about the true history of that creepy house that sits down the street? Want to know what evidence a paranormal investigation group may have captured? Then find out every other Sunday and tune in to BTE Radio for another chilling episode of the Haunted Spotlight, if you dare. <laughs>
1: Okay, we're back. Um, we're talking about the Japanese fire balloons, or they're also referred to as the... Ugo. Bugos. Um which basically was uh, Japan's response to the United States attacking their mainland. They, they uh, were out of resources, so they put together this balloon attack that... Um, They set off from Japan and it came clear across the Pacific Ocean and hit the continental United States. So like I said earlier, too, there are reports, and I've seen different ones, 6,000, 8,000, 9,000 of these things that were put together and launched. But we can only account for 300 of them. I could see that some of these... You know, maybe got hit by lightning or something like that, and just went down.
0: Yeah, and if they but, were mainly, I mean, I know you said they were sort of rubbery rice paper, but I mean, they're I could filled s- with
1: hydrogen. Too. Yeah,
0: they're they're quite flammable. They're going to break down. I I, I can see why there aren't that many as well.
1: Um, but if you come across any of these out there while you're hiking or something, you want to stay away from them. Um, actually, if you're going to go hiking anywhere in the west. Western Coast, I suggest you do a little research and look these up and see what they're going to look like. Which leads me to the first report that I read that was kind of alarming. Um, I'm assuming that everyone's heard about the Manhattan Project. Mm Mm-hmm and this kind of relates to Japan and everything. Why don't, right. you, why don't you explain the Manhattan Project a little bit?
0: Well, the Manhattan Project was a, a large group of scientists that got together, and uh, their task was to create you know, hydrogen-type bombs. So the H-bomb and the A-bomb, they were working on these designs, and uh, it was mainly headed by uh, Oppenheimer. Uh, but they didn't really pay attention to what they were making. I mean, they knew they were making these bonds, but they didn't really realize how destructive they were really going to be, you know, what they were really going to be used for. And I know Oppenheimer, for example, he literally later on, he regretted his participation in it simply because of how they how his work was used. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know that's that's something that he he really did say he regretted um, making this destructive piece but uh, basically that's I mean it was a, a large group of scientists and you know he, Einstein was working on it and Oppenheimer and all slew full of other ones but those are the two main like real big names there's also a guy and Kellogg I think that was working on it and you
1: know. so basically they they invented the bomb that was dropped on
0: Yes, yes. The
1: Jima, Hiroshima, Hiroshima mm-hmm. whatever. Right. That ended World War Two. Correct. Okay. And they were hydrogen bombs. Yes. Right? And these balloons that we're talking about had hydrogen gas in them, right?
0: Well, the H-bomb had hydrogen in them. The okay. A-bomb was slightly different.
1: One of these balloons landed not far from the factory where they were working on the Manhattan Project and took out the electricity in the entire area. Wow. Now, just so happens that they were smart enough to have backup power. If not, the reactor would have went off and we wouldn't have had the Manhattan Project.
0: (laughs) We would have had something slightly different.
1: Which wouldn't have led to the end of World War II. That's kind of interesting.
0: Yes. The, those what ifs.
1: Exactly. Um, and actually, there's a picture of it that I saw it on one side. It says location unknown, and another one says, that, you know, it, the one that landed close to the factory. So that's kind of interesting. Um, the next one, and this one, this one actually, this will tie these balloons to the Vietnam War.
0: Okay, so we're going from World War II to the Vietnam War. Yeah, we're
1: skipping the Korean War. Okay, World War II. Okay, okay. All right. So this would have been May of 1945. This is when this took place. So this was after they were one month after they were done setting these launching these things. There was a, a, a Reverend Archie Mitchell. In Bly, Oregon. Oregon. Mm. B-L-Y. Oregon. Okay?
0: Okay.
1: Um, Him and his wife were expecting a child. She was five uh, five months pregnant. 26 years old. Okay? So this is May. I'm assuming the weather was nice out. And they invited five children to go with them to the lake um, to go on a picnic after Sunday service. And it sounded like from the reading that this was something that was common for them to do. They would just take some of these kids out and then have a picnic with them and everything. So they did that. They go out to this lake, and the kids get out, and the wife gets out, and they go run into the spot where they're going to have the picnic. And um, Reverend Mitchell said, I'll be right there. Just let me turn the car around park the car. But he gets out of the car, and his wife yells to him, Hey, come look what we found. And he starts walking to him, and mon- moments later, explosion. It's one of these balloons. That mm. The incinerator the device goes off. Mm. Kills the five children. Kills his wife. Okay? There's actually... a. Uh, a stone monument that's at that location because they were the only civilians that were killed on the continental united states during world war ii and that was only casualties reported from this attack and they think that you know they just they saw it there it was laying there and maybe one of the kids went up was kicking it and see what it was and it set it off
0: hmm. so yeah that's very tragic could be
1: but reverend mitchell
0: oh oh yeah there's more
1: (laughs) there's more later on he remarries and he becomes a missionary during the vietnam war and him and his wife and i think it's three children at the time different ages they go over to South Vietnam and they're in a, ca- a leper camp. Okay. Which gets invaded by North Vietnamese. And him and a couple other men, uh, missionaries, said, as long as you leave, the wife and children alone we will come with you. He become became a, a POW. Hmm. Now, I saw reports where in 1968 they got word that he was still alive but I couldn't find anything at all that he was released. So can you imagine? I mean, here's World War <clears> Two, <throat> his first wife, you know, that tragedy and then he goes off to be a missionary in Vietnam and those are some of the pictures i don't have them up there yet but um so yeah
0: <clears throat> that's very sad you know i i mean the beginning of it is just sad you know his wife and the kids and everything and then
1: and he baby I mean,
0: yeah and then he gets, he gets
1: tied captured. up in it
0: again and captured very very sad
1: and i didn't like i said i didn't see reports whether he was released or or what happened or anything like that so anyways that's uh that's the fire
0: fire balloons japanese
1: fire balloons
0: well from what i understand lots of them that they did find ended up getting like caught in like lines and things like that there's lots of pictures and
1: yeah you could search for fugo Mm f-u-g-o or japanese fire balloons either way a lot of stuff comes up about it there's there's a couple really good videos on youtube that explains it um I'm going to tie some of that stuff together. I was on Pinterest and pinned a bunch of pictures um, to some of the engineering drawings and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll add all that to our blog post about this. That, uh, and a lot of people really didn't know about it because of that government ban on the... And that's why that family went over to it, didn't know what it was.
0: Right. That's if they, exactly why. Yeah, if they would after have done that, that, that they tragedy
1: have happened them. I forgot to mention, after that tragedy happened, the government lifted the ban. And then that's when they started reporting and telling the general public, hey, watch out, these are out there, that kind of thing. But they were already done sending them over.
0: Hmm. And and just to think that, you know, that could have been avoided. If they would not have just... Oh, yeah,
1: if she would have read the papers. Oh, I know what that is. Get away from it, kids. Just something that simple.
0: Right. You're talking
1: s- six lives, you know? Yeah.
0: And and that kind of goes to things that people are, are concerned about today. And, and, you know, what does what is the government keeping from us? You know, the government often does things for our benefit. They want to make sure that we don't, you know, get upset and we, you know, don't worry about things and they're going to protect us. But But. do we need to be protected from ourselves? We're adults.
1: Let us know what's going on.
0: You know, I mean, this is one prime example where lives could have been spared if they would have just let us know what was going on. At the same time, though, would they have continued sending things over? They're like, oh, it's working. They're getting there, you know.
1: Well, I think, you know, it, if they would have found out, Japan, that, oh, hey, it's working, I'm sure we had the resources to patrol the coast and shoot down a balloon moving 100 miles an hour. You know what I'm saying? With a fighter jet. Uh, I don't think that would have been an issue. Well,
0: I don't know. I mean, we have fighter jets. I mean, we had the planes. I don't know. Fighter,
1: <laughs> fighter plane. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> You know what I
0: mean? But, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. We did have a lot of our resources that were drained as well, but we would have had a lot of civilians who could at least have been watching for them and noting where they are and kind of being the eyes and ears for the military to kind of say, "Oh, hey, I saw one flying in this direction." There's go reports. check it out.
1: There's reports on YouTube where they saw them over Denver. Uh, they saw them. Like I said, they they. They've went clear into they Michigan.
0: Found some, I think in Alaska and oh yeah, uh, all over Nebraska. There were a lot of them. I think in <coughs> in Nebraska. I think they said they found seven of the three hundred in Nebraska. Yeah, that, that was a. I mean, not
1: well, just the way that jet stream would have changed yeah. once it got over the United States. So, um, that kind of wraps up this uh, podcast
0: is it over already yeah
1: we're over an hour
0: really oh time flies when you're having fun
1: <laughs> you're sitting here looking for more stuff to talk about we're gonna we fill in time no we're, we're over an
0: hour wow. actually
1: five o'clock would have been an
0: hour wow okay well if you have I any think. information on it then uh well,
1: no we gotta go to 5 30. we got 20 more minutes
0: see i thought that you had yeah we got time. 20 more minutes i was gonna say i thought it went faster than usual gee
1: (laughs) hey don't mind it's been a long school year
0: (laughs) yes yeah Uh, but if you have seen (coughs) any of these so if you know of any um i'm looking for stories stories. i'm looking if
1: your if your granddad or You know, your uncle or something told you about them or had pieces of them or whatever. I don't... You know, I can find stuff on the internet. I want to hear personal stuff. If you know anything about this, maybe you got one of them.
0: Maybe. Oh, my goodness.
1: They say... uh, They say... Well, they said... I don't know if it's in that article or, or another article. That if you see a round metal device with wires in the center of it that's what you want to stay away from
0: okay so Um, basically the that's the the balloon portion is fairly safe at this point but the other parts aren't is that what
1: i think the balloon probably would have caught on fire or exploded or something with the gas inside of it the bottom of it is what you want to watch for where it had the um because it wasn't just that 33 pound bomb that was on there each one of those things uh what did they have them on this you know on the spaceships where it blew the door those caps
0: mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah The like the per, uh, i want to say percussion cap but i don't know that that's right
1: that's what was around the the ring to like drop the sandbags and stuff it was a, like a percussing percussion cap that fired off and those are pretty dangerous and unstable when they sit for a while. You know, it's kind of like a, like, you know, like a blank when you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, drive a nail or something through cement. Okay. I can imagine that. It'll probably take your hand off. You know?
0: Yeah. Probably not. Not a good thing.
1: That's it right there, that that wheel.
0: The ballast ring. Okay.
1: So, describe that to him. That's like a, a, a wheel. That
0: it, yeah, it, it looks like it's a, a round metal wheel. Almost that looks has, like a
1: hubcap, doesn't it?
0: Um, Kind what? of, but it, it looks like it has a, a main cross in the center, and then it has just a whole bunch of these little wires, it looks like, that go uh, and cor- connect around in circle.
1: Those would be the fuses, probably.
0: So, they're, they're uh, pretty intricate looking, to be honest.
1: I'm just amazed by the engineering, you know, to think something like that up.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. All right. So if you have any information on this, we would love to hear it. And uh, anything else there?
1: No, I guess we could cut this one a little short. We were a little
0: long the other day, so I think we're all right. Yeah, We were longer last time.
1: All right, so we're going to keep trying to do these and put them out at 9 o'clock every Wednesday. Um we may run into a couple over the summer. We might have to skip that, uh, unless we do them ahead of time. We, we can I don't just. Know.
0: We'll plan.
1: We'll, we'll plan, plan ahead. ahead. We'll plan ahead. Um, you can also catch us every other Sunday on Beyond the Edge Radio with the Haunted Spotlight. Uh, or you can stop on over to the Dark Shadow Ghost Tours and find out what we got going on there. And you can take a look at uh, panicd.com, the database of almost 800 different locations in the United States with uh, documented paranormal activity. Um, I think that's all of our sites
0: okay and if they're not if they're not doing anything exciting on uh, May 28th then uh, and they're in the local area to uh, Youngstown, Austintown, Ohio. Uh, if they would uh, like, they could join us and meet us in person uh, at the uh, Mahoning Valley Paranormal Conference, mvparacon.com for additional information. That's they can right. come and it's meet at us. The
1: Austin Town Senior Center, 10 to 6, May 28th. I did play that commercial because that's like Saturday. So.
0: I know. I know, it's coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, that will wrap it up for us tonight. Yeah.
1: That wraps it up.
0: All right. Well, thank you for listening, and join us next week for another edition of Untold History Revealed.
1: All right.
2: Have a good night.